Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Hello, Gotham. Joker's back in town. I'm not wearing hockey pants. And now you're listening to the new and improved Outside the Comics Volume 2 podcast with your host, Alfred. No! What is going on, OTC listeners? Another episode of Outside the Comics Volume 2 podcast in your life today. Yes, it is January 7th. Happy New Year to you guys, first and foremost. I know I didn't do a New Year's podcast as I wanted to this past Tuesday. And even, what was it? I I honestly do not remember when was the last time I did an episode. Uh, I believe it was around Christmas time. Right after Christmas last week, and for those of you that may not know, I I tested positive. I tested positive, and I was in quarantine. I've been in isolation for this past week, and I am feeling way better than before. New Year's weekend really, really screwed me up. And I mean, like, screwed me up. I was coughing I was sneezing, stuffy nose. I lost my sense of taste and smell for a few days after that. It was bad. Like, well, it wasn't bad as like let's say a regular cold cuz I know to some other people uh it was way worse with, but goddamn. If I could just you know what? It it was my fault because I jinxed myself the week prior. And I remembered I went to my job and I went to a testing person, you know, the woman that was giving the test, the nurse or, you know, the physician or assistant, whatever you want to call it. And I told her, I said, you know, I kind of wish to be positive right now because I just really need the time off of work because I had no PTO days left, or at least not to my knowledge. And, you know, we were laughing about it. We, we were like telling a joke about it. And. Lo and behold, it came in after a week that I already went to work on the last week of December. So when I wanted it literally for me to have my time off during that week, I ended up getting it a week later. So that was my fault. I completely jinxed myself on that one. <laughs> but no, nevertheless, like I'm I'm okay. I'm fine. Sophie is good. My lazy panda, you know, she has not shown any symptoms. She's already had COVID before. Uh, the beginning of 2021, around the beginning of 2021. So chances are she already has the antibodies and she hasn't really been showing any symptoms. I get that some people can get the virus multiple times. I understand that. But, you know, she's been vaccinated and she's been exposed to me. And we've been staying indoors a lot. So we've been staying indoors. We haven't gone anywhere. We've been cooking. A lot of resting. A lot of resting. Like... This was the week where I really, really need to rest, really need to like jot ideas down whenever I wake up. And, you know, my voice was very raspy. It, you know, I kept on coughing a lot. It was bad. Like it was it was bad at first. And then it transitioned into where I am now, which is good. I'm good. I'm glad I'm back. I am back. Not 100 percent, but I am back. The Batman is back. I have no idea. <laughs> so. A couple of things happened, and I guess I wanted to address them real quick before we, you know, dive into the meat of the podcast, which is my top eight comic book shows of 2021. Because I do remember in my last episode, I did my top 10 comic book movies. And considering that I did not watch 
all of the shows that happened in 2021. I understand that not every show that deals with comic books is going to be included here. So with that being said, you know, we're only going to do number eight. Now, for that moment, I thought to myself, I'm like, you know what? I got to come here. Let me just address a couple of things that's been going on in the news right now. Morbius been postponed once again. I believe this is the seventh, the sixth or seventh time that this movie has been postponed. It is now being postponed to April 1st, 2021. It was supposed to come out in a couple of weeks and it's been postponed. And at first, I I will admit, at first I was upset. I thought to myself, I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Another delay. This movie is never going to come out. You know, I start to think all of the negative shit. And that's what happens whenever you think irrational. You just start spewing hateful shit. But then I realized, I thought, okay, there's got to be a reason for this. And I don't think it's enough where the pandemic with the Omicron or Flucron or whatever the fuck it's called now. I don't think that is a deciding factor. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. You know, let me rephrase that. Maybe it is. Because Spider-Man No Way Home killed it at a global box office. And the, you know, the cases that was going on was still as high as it is. So, another reason would have to be that Spider-Man No Way Home is basically Sony's biggest movie ever. Like, ever. And it continues to build success. So it only makes sense that they want Spider-Man to continue building on its success, maybe surpassing $2 billion at the global box office with, I don't know if China has, has um, released the movie for them to see it now, but it only makes sense that Sony wants to give Spider-Man No Way Home more free time, more leeway, and much more of a chance for it to grow. Because... Through a business perspective, if you release Morbius now, it's just going to continue to get overshowered, overshadowed by Spider-Man, and Morbius is not going to do very well, especially with the fact that this is a Spider-Man character, and it is the, the cinematic universe of those characters. So it only makes sense that you don't want Spider-Man to overshadow it. When I realized that, and obviously, you know, doing some digging, doing some research, I realize I'm like, you know what? It actually makes sense. It makes sense. And at first I was upset about it, but now I understand it. And I guess I can wait until springtime for me to watch a vampire movie. Because that's what it is. It's a vampire movie. So that's neither here nor there. And that's about it. That's pretty much the only thing that I really want to tackle on. So... I can't wait to see Morbius. I think on the next episode of the podcast, I will probably talk about my top 10 anticipated comic book movies to watch or comic book content to watch, just comic book content in general. There's a lot of them. There will be a lot of them this year. So we're going to have to be on our A game on our, you know, step on our toes, but step on our toes, but I'm excited. I'm actually excited for this year and what's to come next. So with that being said, let's dev, let's div. I keep on messing up. Let's dive right into it. First and foremost, I want to give a big, big shout out to the show on 77 WABC, the host that I helped produce their show early in the morning, Bernie and Sid, especially a huge shout out to Bernie. He has just finished going through 
and I believe he has been cleared of prostate cancer. Uh, he's been a, uh, away for a while, for about a week, even during the time that I was there. And I can't wait to see him on Monday. Can't wait to see him that he has recovered, that he is good. And the fact that I just, you know, I, I miss the guy. I really do. Like, I became very close to the people that I work for. I came very close to the people that I work with. And, you know, I got love for the guy. And I'm glad that he's doing fantastic after going through numerous complications. And it's good to find out that he is good, he is back, and that he is healthy. And I can't wait to see him both, you know, him and Sid, both on Monday. So, it's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. That's all we have for the shoutouts. Let's dive right into it. It's been a week, but here we are. The top eight comic book shows of 2021 and that starts right in a bit Before I kick things things off, I want to start off by mentioning a couple honorable mentions. You know, a little bit of a, a little bit of a recognition, if you will. And I feel bad that I haven't seen these shows as of yet. And it's something that I really, really wanted to look forward to, but I just never came around to do it. And with everything that was going on, either that I didn't feel like it, or I had too much time on my hands, or that I just simply completely forgot about it until now here are two honorable mentions number one superman and lois season one from the cw network i've been hearing a lot of positive things about the show i've been hearing a lot of positive things on the fact that it's a huge upgrade from the previous shows like arrow and flash and legends of tomorrow and all these other stuff and it's definitely got higher production quality that is resembled very very close to something from hbo max which I definitely commend very, very well. And a lot of moments I think to myself, I'm like, all right, well, a long time ago when I was a kid, I used to watch um, Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. And I was never really that much of a Superman guy, only up until like a little bit recently. Like the whole thing about Superman, it's it's like... It's the same shtick every time, which is why I'm always fascinated when something new comes into the moment, like Injustice Superman, for example, or if it's a different version, like any different version for that matter. So I guess because it's under the CW umbrella, I didn't really give it a chance as much as I wanted to, but because I've been hearing so much positive things about it, I definitely named this as a great mention. And it's something that I'm definitely looking forward to when eventually I do hit the mark of me binge-watching CW shows from the the very beginning all the way till now. And it's going to be hours and hours and hours, probably months of content. It's something that I know that I'm not going to tackle on right away, but I'm slowly trying to get into it. I'm still trying my very, very best. I, I know I keep talking about it, but I'm trying my very best to go into Batwoman and it's extremely hard, especially with a lot of shit that's been going on behind the scenes. But 
Superman and Lois, definitely an honorable mention. Another honorable mention that I want to say, Hitmonkey. It is a 30-minute show. It's a 30-minute, you know, episode show. I believe there's like either 10 to 13 or 15 episodes or something like that. And I do have a soft spot for animation, especially when it comes to voiceover, since that's what I'm doing. But I don't know, like something... It wasn't really a show that had me gravitate towards me saying, oh, I really want to watch this show. Like, I want to watch it right fucking now. You know, because I don't, let's be realistic, I don't watch every single comic book show. If that was the case, I would have watched Spider-Man and Friends or what's the new one? The, the, the animated one from the, from the what's under Disney or Hulu or whatever. Or MODOK, the, the new animated one with the CGI thing that's been going on. It's pretty clear that I don't watch every show. And I shouldn't be obligated or inclined. Even though this is a comic book, you know, podcast. I don't watch every single one of them. The same way I'm a huge MMA fan, but I don't watch every single fight. You know what I mean? Because there's only, there's so much content to absorb out there. Especially when you're behind in certain aspects like the CW Network. That's where I fall into. Certain animated shows, I haven't really seen as much animation as I wanted to as of recently because of the fact that there's so much that goes into in terms of thinking everything from production from you know voice acting and everything else movies are an exception because movies it's two hours and you're you're done you're fine boom it's different and my brain thinks differently when it comes to movies versus watching shows which is why I usually don't like reviewing shows but in this case, obviously, I have to make an exception. And on top of that, Marvel has already got that green light hit when they produced WandaVision and Loki and everything else. So Hitmonkey was something that I did talk about l- a little bit, but I didn't really had a desire to watch it as much as I wanted to. Eventually, maybe I will. But for right now... It, it can wait. It's it's one of those things where I'll watch it later. And if I feel like watching something because I'm bored, I'll probably pop right into it. So there's that. Anyway, now that we got those two honorable mentions out of the way, let's go into the top eight comic book content of 2021. And Jeremy Johns, I'm going to take this one from you since this was your idea. Let's go with number eight. The last one as... You remembered I'm going from worst to best. This is my list. It's as simple as that. If you don't agree with it, that's completely fine. This is my list. Maybe you agree, maybe you don't. Here we go. Here we go. Number eight. Starting at number eight from worst to best, we got Loki. Now, I know I gave it high praise when they start to open up the multiverse aspect and shit is about to hit the fan. But the whole writing and the whole idea of there's no such thing as free will, everything is controlled literally through Kang the Conqueror's will to do so, the Infinity Stones were used as nothing but paperweights, they don't really mean shit anymore, which means everything that has happened up to that point was for nothing. It feels as if the writers really did back themselves into a corner when they decided to open up a concept where, A, 
the multiverse is so fucking big, it's nearly impossible to try to find out what is supposed to happen and what is leading off astray in terms of variance and in terms of, you know, creating a nexus point. Because if you truly think about it, they gave excuses in terms of, well, Tony Stark made the time machine and everybody went back in time for Avengers Endgame during that storyline. So why didn't they were attacked by the variants? And the only explanation that that woman gave when Loki asked them was, oh, well, what they did was supposed to happen. You escaping, however, did not. And then I was kind of confused by that because I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, wait, so hold on. How could you truly determine what is something supposed to happen and what is not supposed to happen? You know what I mean? Like, how can you dictate billions of people in billions of universes, because the multiverse is endless, let's be honest here, how can you truly keep track over what something is supposed to happen when every single person does different choices every single day in every single moment in every aspect of their lives. Because if that was the case, then you can say the same thing when it comes to Marvel's What If with their storylines and there are billions of universes in the multiverse there. So again, the idea of the TVA and the multiverse, uh, not the multiverse, the TVA and the time variance and everything else, interesting concept on paper I think it's a poorly executed thing. Not to mention, the show was never really about Loki, our Loki. It was more about female Loki, Sylvie. And I don't know, as the episodes went on, first of all, Loki was used as a either a gag, a side character, and it just didn't mesh well for me. The only thing that I really, really liked was the concept of the multiverse now going out of whack. That was the only thing that I really liked. Everything else, rethinking about it now, I didn't enjoy it as I much as I wanted to. And a lot of it has to do with poor writing. So, there is that. Number 7. At number 7, I have Titans Season 3. Now, I remember it, I spoke about this. I spoke about on the fact that this show, the first three episodes were killer. It hooked me. It made me want to watch more. The fact that Red Hood was going to fuck shit up and the Titans were done. They were kaput. Oh my God, it'd be fucking awesome. And then there's an old saying where third times may not be the charm here. I don't know what it is when it comes to this show. When you compare it to Teen Titans and Teen Titans Go, when you compare those shows, I understand one is animated, one is animation, one is cartoons, but the core concept is about these five characters. Well, in this case, six or more. And I don't know what it is. This show still has not grasped the true potential of each character going into what they need to do and be a team to inspire hope, to save people, you know, to do anything for that matter. At the ending of season two, there was the whole cliffhanger on Blackfire being this 
this this force to be reckoned with that this person is going to fuck shit up when she comes to earth and she probably might go off against you know facing off against starfire and everybody would have to band together in order to help her that did not happen so when i found out and after the first three episodes concluded that jason todd red hood was going to be the ultimate antagonist i thought okay here's something because it was pretty clear that the writers were trying to make this a Batman show or a Bat family type of a show. And even that didn't execute very well. There were a lot of scenes where Nightwing slash Dick Grayson was going off with Barbara, going off. The main focus, the entire narrative was about Dick Grayson versus Jason Todd. And you can make a show about that. There's there's no problem with making a show about that. But you can't call it Titans. You just can't. If the narrative is about Nightwing and Red Hood. The concept of Red Hood pitting the Titans against each other would have worked greatly if Scarecrow was not included. And when Scarecrow was included, he was basically the puppet master pulling the strings here. And that made Red Hood much less of a compelling character. A lot of people were pissed off. I don't remember if I spoke about this already, but a lot of people were pissed off on the idea that Bruce Wayne, towards the later of the episodes, I I don't remember which episode it was, but it was towards the later of the season, where he was contemplating suicide. And a lot of people were very, very pissed off about that. As a Batman fan, I can understand their frustrations. But for me, it kind of works in the show. And here's my reason why. And like I said, I don't remember if I spoke about this already. But if I did, then bear with me when I say this. Throughout every piece of media, every Batman content out there, video games, movies, shows, animated shows, whatever the case may be, Bruce Wayne has always been a force to be reckoned with, and he rarely lets depression get in his way. Because this season was heavily inspired by Batman Under the Red Hood and the Red Hood storylines, Death in the Family, right? There's a moment where you have to think to yourself in terms of how would Bruce Wayne realistically deal with something like that if, let's say, it's in a different timeline or a different universe? Because this is clearly a different Bruce Wayne. This is old man Bruce Wayne. Passes Prime doesn't have the same spark or the same spunk as he was before. Even though it shouldn't be played by Sir Jor Mormont, but whatever, they got casted, it is what it is. So, there's a thing where you have to think to yourself where the narrative of this show, Gotham, and it's the same narrative that they use for the Joker movie, That Gotham is the antagonist. Gotham is a dark setting where it can corrupt people in many, many ways other than more, right? So when you look at that, and when you think about it from that perspective, you have to consider that there is a chance that Bruce Wayne could be affected by this too. So when he failed to save Jason Todd, and he failed to save Robin... And he killed, he crossed his line, he broke his moral code that he will not kill, and he kill, end up killing the Joker. It only makes sense that a human being like that can spiral into depression and having him wanting to kill himself. Because if you remembered from the animated movie, Under the Red Hood, he did say, if he ever goes down into that dark place, he will never come back. 
And what he meant by that was, if he ends up doing the one thing that he knows, that he swore off to fight against, that he knows the one thing that he should not do, which is to take a life instead of saving it, there will be nothing stopping him. And they did, they did, they being the the show, the Titan show, they did influence that heavenly on a what-if dream-like scenario where Batman was killing people left and right in the first season. But instead of him doing that, he ends up trying to commit suicide. Again, I understand why a lot of people were pissed off about this. I, through another set of eyes, actually understood the context of it, which is why I wasn't upset. To get back to the show, a lot of characters were pretty much useless. Superboy still has not utilized his full potential. Beast Boy, meaning Garfield, has not turned into many other animals except the bat. He turns into a tiger, then he turns into a bat in this season. Raven was a no-show until later half. Wonder Girl comes back from the dead with no explanation whatsoever. Uh, Tim Drake. I really... They were just using that to fill in Tim Drake and that little subplot with him wanting to be a hero. And, you know, they got a character downright in terms of being a detective. But I'm spending way too much time on this. Titans was not as good as it should be. Okay? And they actually rehashed a key storyline from the Batman Begins movie, which is to turn Gotham in and of itself in order to inspire fear. You know, with the fear toxins and the the water plants and everything else. They literally rehashed the same story. It was pretty clear that the writers were backing themselves into a corner on this one. Which is why I'm giving it the number 7 spot. It's all the way down at the bottom. It really is down at the bottom. And if they did Greenlight Season 4, I'm, I think they did. Good luck. Good luck. Because I don't know what else you can go from here. I really, really don't. Number 6. At number 6, I have The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Now, the reason why this show is so low is because of the sheer sheer direction that this is a very, very political show that focuses on racism and nationalism and the fact that it was just all over the place because it was very self-aware in terms of where our world is today. It's very, very meta, very self-aware. And there is some enjoyment to be made here. The training montage I loved. The fact that um, Sam Wilson is now the new Captain America. And, you know, it it was pretty clear that this show... I'm not going to say inspired, but there was a lot of influence definitely from the Black Lives Matter movement that was going into this. And you can clearly see it from many, many perspectives. I feel like... They was turning Johnny Walker, a decorated war veteran, a guy that has served this country and is just wanting to do the right thing. It was pretty clear that they wanted to spin that and make him into this, this like this this gigantic personality that has lost his way. 
there were a lot of subplots that was going into here. But like I said, it was very, very heavy political. And I'm not really enthusiastic about things like that. Now, me and Jen Silverman did talk about it. And we actually did enjoy some aspects of it. But re-looking at it now, like looking back on it now, I feel like it could have been way better if the soul chemistry of Sam and Bucky was influenced a little bit more than what we got. So... I don't know. Like that that's that's just me. If you enjoyed it, that's fine. If not, it is what it is. Number 5. At number 5, the middle of the pack, I got Hawkeye. Now, I know I briefly described this. And I know that Hawkeye, I wanted Hawkeye to give me a little bit more. But as I'm rethinking about it, this probably has the best ending out of all the Marvel shows that we got. Second best ending. Second best ending than all the Marvel shows we got. The chemistry of Kate Bishop and Clint Barton, you know, we saw it a mile, we saw it from a mile away. We really did. It was a concept of basically passing on the torch. And in a way he did. Because Kate Bishop really is learning of what it means to actually be a hero. And what it means when you have to do the right thing. When you have to go after someone that you love very well. Or that you have suspicions. And everything else just falls out of place. I guess what put this in the middle of the pack for me on my list. Is the fact that it was too family friendly. And I guess I just wanted something for my personal taste just a little bit darker. Now, don't get me wrong. I did like the ending. I did. I did like the ending. I love Yelena. I, Florence Pugh is awesome. I love Yelena. The scenes, you know, there are YouTube clips everywhere now where it just fo focusing on Yelena and Kate Bishop. These two have great chemistry. They work very, very well together. I would love to see a show that is dedicated just to them and them alone. I mean, oh, she's such a treat. She, she's, she's such an awesome person in, in, in this edition. And the fact that they were giving Black Widow the, not the eulogy, but the, is the eulogy, is that the right word to use here? Eulogy. The, the, the great ending that Black Widow in a way kind of deserved where these two people never knew each other until this point really, really loved Black Widow. They really loved Natasha. And, you know, the callbacks to the whistle and the training and them fighting and the fact that Hawkeye still blames himself over what happened and the fact that, you know, Yelena forgives him. Oh, my God. It, it, was, it was definitely a touching moment. It really was. I really enjoyed that. You know, I, I did. And also, Kingpin. Now, even though I have... Vincent D'Onofrio said this is the same Kingpin from the Daredevil series from Netflix. A small part of me disagrees, but whatever. It is what it is. Kingpin has been included, so fuck it. And we also got Echo. So chances are we're going to be seeing more... Hopefully we'll be seeing more of Daredevil aside from Spider-Man No Way Home. And we'll be seeing Daredevil against Kingpin again. You know? Although... We've kind of already seen it, and 
maybe they can continue a season four storyline of Daredevil within these shows. Because I know She-Hulk is coming out, and there were rumors that Daredevil that Daredevil's going to be in that. Echo is going to be coming out with her own show, so Daredevil's going to be in that. So there's a lot to look forward to here. But overall, Hawkeye does stand in the middle of the pack. Didn't hate it, didn't extremely love it, but there were definitely more enjoyable moments. And like I said, Yelena. Mm. Love her. She is bae. She is bae. Number four. At number four, I have WandaVision. I really like this show up until the ending. And me and Gina Scarpa, we spoke about this tooth and nail. We went back and forth. WandaVision was a great show where the main protagonist is basically the villain. I don't care what you say otherwise. But the true villain, in addition to that, stricken with depression and grief, and this was her way of trying to deal with it as best she can. Even though that she had to become a villain herself and enslave hundreds of other innocent people and live a life that is made up, that is fictionalized, and the fact that we got what we got, it's heartbreaking. It really is. And there is an argument to be made whether is she redeemable? Like, can we forgive the Scarlet Witch for what she's done? Some people can say yes. Other people, other people can see her side. Most people could be against her. And these are what makes these debates so fun. As I said before, I hated... I, I said it before in the What the Fuck Moments episode. I hated the twist of Quicksilver. I hated it. That was the writers basically playing a huge... The, the actor, you know, that played the character, he said it was one of the best jokes... I thought it was a giant slap in the face to us and a giant middle finger to us. You can't change my mind otherwise. Agnes, you know, I love the act. I do like the actress. I really do. Her character really didn't do anything for me. And the fact that we are getting on her own show, Agatha, the Heart of Darkness or City of Darkness or whatever the hell it's called. It is what it is, I guess. I guess it is what it is. But... That's neither here nor there. WandaVision, though, I really enjoyed it, but it sits at number four for me because of the ending. If the ending would have changed, instead of this being this huge super fight, and it would have changed completely different, and we would have gotten something way better, then this would have been higher on my list. But instead, for right now, it sits at number four. What the hell is White Vision going to do after this? I do not know, and I don't think I really care as much. Coming at number three, Doom Patrol Season 3. There's something about this show that I absolutely love, and I don't know why. I don't know if it's because it's very different. I don't know if it's because it's very wacky. I don't know if it's because of the fact that it's so... It's so unique in its own way, where I cannot help but fall in love with all of these characters. But at the same time, though, for some weird reason... This season really took a huge, uh, a little bit of a drop for me. Not a huge, but a little bit of a drop. And a lot of it has to do with the direction that they wanted to go to in terms of Rita Farr going back in time 
And then losing her memory in this, she comes back and then she becomes a completely different character. I don't know what it is when it comes to characters in every season when they are likable at first. Because she's not the only one. There are many characters like Robot Man, Cliff, and, you know, you got Cyborg who's supposed to. They're all dealing with their own shit, basically. They're all dealing with their own personal demons in their own way. But this season really took the time to actually explore that. To explore the trauma that they've been through in their lives. And actually help bring them together. The problem is, when you go through a season and you're focusing on every person's storyline. And try to weave them all together in a very hourly episode. It can get very jumbled. And there are moments where... You really can't follow very well in terms of what each person is going through on a linear story. Overall though, overall, there was definitely a lot of tear-jerking moments. And this show makes you feel more human than ever. If that makes any sense. Like this, this show makes you connect to these characters in many, many ways. Not the fact that they have powers. And not the fact that you know, one is turned into a robot, two of them are turned into robots, and one is turned, you know, to radioactive. No, their issues goes way more deeper than that. Every character here is flawed. And the show gives them a chance to try and redeem themselves. And that's what I can honestly admire and respect about a show like this. And... Not for nothing, it wasn't until the ending of this show where they finally come together and they start acting like a team. So, Doom Patrol has always been one of my favorites and I can't recommend this show enough. Number three, season three, by far. Number two. We are reaching the ending here. And coming at number two is Marvel's What If. Now, there are a lot of episodes that are forgetful. There are a lot of episodes where I don't really care about watching again. There are a lot of episodes to me that are more worse than the others. For example, the, you know, Michael Douglas, not Michael Douglas, Hank Pym being Yellow Jacket and he's solely responsible for killing off the Avengers. That fucking sucked. Or how about the fact that the zombie episode, pretty cool, wasn't as graphic as I wanted it to be. That kind of sucked. Trust me, there are so many particular picks on what ifs in terms of what I want for them to change and what's to my personal liking. But the Doctor Strange edition and the fact that this is heavenly going to continue on to be in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness... The fourth episode, Doctor Strange, is still by far my favorite top, top episode of all of those that all those episodes combine. And it's heartbreaking and it's something that I don't think I can get ever get tired of. And then the last two episodes where Ultron Vision was basically fucking shit up. Ultron Vision is the baddest. He bit a fucking galaxy. He ate a galaxy. How can you be so, um, how can there be any much more badass? There's really no one. And the Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, you got a different Thor, you got, 
Doctor Strange, you got Killmonger, and you got the Ravager, T'Challa, and you got all these other characters in their own way, and they mesh themselves very, very well. Like, they work together very, very well. I was very surprised on how easily they were able to work together, considering the fact that it was a time-restricted show, but still, like, the show was booming, the animation was great, the voice acting was spectacular, this show was awesome. It really was. And even though, like I said, there were a lot of episodes that are forgetful, I'm interested to see what season two has in store. And hopefully they don't focus too much on Iron Man being the Kenny of, you know, South Park of Marvel. Oh my God, they killed Tony Stark, you bastard! You know, shit like that. (laughs) At number one, the one show, the one show that triumphs everyone through the year of 2021 I spoke about it and I still love it to this day Invincible oh my god what a show this was talk about talk about an ending where you seriously need to words cannot express of how much this is one of the most This is one of the best animated shows, one of the best comic book shows, one of the best superhero shows that I've ever seen in my life by far. It leaves you with a false sense of security where you think one thing is going to happen one way and then something instantly switches from something else. The top three, top three superhero figures that probably can fuck shit up from what I've seen by far, there's only three of them. Maybe there's a fourth, I just don't know who it is yet. Omni-Man from Invincible, Superman from the Injustice storyline, and uh, from the boys, you got the Flag Guy. I can't remember off the top of my head on what's his name. It'll, it'll probably come to me later on, but, you know, the Flag Guy. Um, Homelander, there we go. Homelander. So you got those top three. You mess with any of those three guys, you're dead. You're dead. I I would love to see a death battle where they can actually put all three of these heroes combined into one. Not combined into one, but face off against each other. Overall, Invincible leaves you with a false sense of security. It makes you think one way instantly goes the other. The graphics is intense. The voice acting is spectacular. There were a couple episodes that... I thought were way better than one. And the fact that it focuses on a kid that wants to be like his dad, that wants to be a superhero, and he learns the hard way that not all things are exactly how it's supposed to be. And it's sad for him. It's it's sad for him to truly grasp something like that. Now, I know The Boys Season 3 is coming out this June. I'm hoping Invincible Season 2 comes out either later towards this year or sometime... You know, because I know they have to work their way around the scheduling and the production staff and everything else. But Invincible, number one, if you still haven't seen it yet, what the fuck are you waiting for? Go see it. Go see it. Now it's on Amazon Prime for God's sake. And that's it. That's my list. Those are my top eight comic book shows of 2021 to do a recap. Number eight, Loki. Number seven, Titan Season 3. Number six, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Number five, Hawkeye. Number four, WandaVision. Number three, Doom Patrol Season 3. Number two, Marvel's What If. Number one, Invincible. 
And that is going to conclude this episode of Outside the Comics Volume 2 Podcast. Now, before I leave, I just want to say real quick, you know, I do have a project coming up where I kind of want to test to see how far I can take it in terms of video quality. And it's something that I want to play with, and it's something that I want to try to see if I could... I don't want to tell what it is yet because I'm still working off the details, but let's say it's high. I just want to say it's highly influenced by a character from Spider-Man. And that's all I'm going to say about that. That's, that's all I'm going to say. It's highly influenced by a Spider-Man character. And I kind of want to build my way around him. And I want to bring this character to life little by little. So... Time will tell in terms of who who this person is going to be. And I hope you really enjoy when this character that I'm going to create makes you laugh and it brightens your day. So I'm still working off the details. I'm still trying to perfect it. And I want and I want to experiment with it. But that's neither here nor there. That's neither here nor there. That is all for we have for today. Tune in next time where we will talk more comic book content. And remember, with all the news, games, shows, or whatever the case may be, always remember, if you hear about it and you read about it, I talk about it, controversial or otherwise. Don't forget to like and subscribe on Outside the Comics Volume 2 on Spotify and iTunes. Tell your friends, tell your battle buddies, tell everyone that you know that Outside the Comics Volume 2 podcast is going and it ain't going nowhere. I may be sick, I may be feeling better, or I may get tired easily, but that don't mean I don't stop and I don't quit. That's all I gotta say about that. Till next time, guys, take care of yourselves. No, there's no supervillain quote or superhero quote of the day. Just Happy New Year, and I'm glad I'm back. Take care, guys. Till next time. See ya. Peace out.